0: Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You're listening to Faith Seeking Understanding, and I'm your host, John Green. Thanks for being along today. We are continuing our look at the uh, Sermon on the Mount. Particularly today, we're going to be in the 7th chapter of Matthew, The verses 15 through 20, pretty much, are what we're going to cover today. Because then the next little pericope that we're going to be looking at is unbelievably difficult. I mean, it's just painful to even read it. Um, So today, what we've got is um, the the heading in the ESV is a tree and its fruit. But It it begins this way. uh, uh, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but are inwardly ravenous wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruits, or grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that doesn't bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you'll recognize them by their fruits. I mean, Jesus is saying it's pretty simple to recognize these people, but um, it's not always easy, to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, I've been around some of these folks at different times, um, been exposed to people who who I would consider to be absolutely false prophets. There are plenty of them in the world today. There are plenty of them, actually, who have big audiences, um, and that's all I got to say about that. Um, I'm not going to name names because I don't think that's fair for me to do. Um, at any rate, that I, I want to tell you a couple of stories that that I've had to, that I've dealt with at different times in in my own life. Um, I had people who would come to me at the church and when I was pastoring and leading a church. I had people that come and they would want to to give prophecies or whatever, and and they would tell me this, that, and the other thing, and, and then they would. Um, they were not the most reliable people I'd ever met. They would come and go. They'd been to every church in town, um, and they always had a word that that exalted them and put them at the center of everything. And it it just, I I really got to the point where if anybody came to me and told me they had a gift of prophecy, I would pretty much just marginalize them. It's only because I'd been burned so many times. Um, I I had friends who who I knew had gifts of prophecy, but but I, I saw them get turned into... Bitterness, um, and and it's just prophecy. I believe is a real gift. Um, I do believe it, it is a gift, and I, and I believe that we need prophets. I need we we need to hear people and listen to people, and there are prophets in the world today. But there are a bunch of prophets that I would say today who are who are completely prophesying out of their own spirit. I mean. After the election in twenty twenty, I had people coming and telling me, "You need to listen to this this person, that person, whatever, because they know what's really going on." And, and these people just absolutely believed all kinds of things about that election. But but also even beyond that, there's this conspiracy thing that just goes on and on and on, um, and, and there's no end to it. What what they'll say and and how they'll continue to to cover and say, "Well, it's just hidden. It hasn't been. It's just no." No, no. If you prophesied that Donald Trump was going to win and then all this other stuff was going to happen, you were just wrong. Period. End of sentence. And you need to walk that back, and you need to apologize to your followers for for saying those things. But that's not what's happening. These same people are out there today saying, "Oh, there's this hidden thing that's going on and the military is in the military."s And I mean, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. These these people are it, they're they're misleading people, um, and it, it's it it. It just sickens me. That So that's one thing. But then um, when I first moved to Pauly's Island, I really had never been around anybody who had um, anything like a prophetic gift and had some people that, that uh, invited me to come to a meeting of a group of people who had prophetic gifts and, and went in. And, and it, it was interesting to me, let's say that. Um, I, I felt like basically what they were trying to do was hear from the Lord. There was one woman um, who— who was a friend? She was. A, it was actually at her house, and she was had been a friend of mine. She and her husband both had, and um, I was closer to him than her. But anyway, so she had um, had a couple of words that she had given to the leadership of the church before I ever went there. So this was uh, this was a time when I'm not aware of this. But but what happened was is that that the first couple of things that then that was discerned in leadership to be something that they wanted to. To raise up and pray over. And so they did. And and that um, stoked her ego. Well, there, there came a time when she gave a word or two that, that they just said, no, 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 we don't think that's right. And, and so it began to be a problem because a bitterness set in, and now she's angry with the leadership. And so by the time I get there, she didn't really go to the church much, never attended or anything like that, um, because she felt like she had been um, uh, marginalized, I guess is the best way to say it. And, and it wasn't that she was marginalized, frankly. It was just that what she said didn't ring true. Um, and so they, about the direction of the church and what God was calling the church to be. And the church was booming and growing, and, and people were coming from all over the place to, to come for healing and all kinds of things. And so I don't know the, the content. Of the words that she was given, but but by the time I got there, she's now angry with the church, and everything is a prophecy that's bad for the church. Um, I can remember one the, the dumbest one that I ever heard was is that that she was prophes- she she uh, had a dream in the night that a that a green limb fell off a tree and and broke, and and she heard the words, "What you think is evergreen will be greatly shaken." so she got up the next morning, went out to get the newspaper, and found, sure enough, there was a green limb in her yard um, that had fallen during the night. And so she giddily called me and told me about this. And I said, well, that's great. God's confirming something. I said, what do you think it means? And she applied it to the leader of the church. I said, well, in the dream, where was the limb? It was in my front yard. Okay. In reality, where was the limb? It was in my front yard. Well, what makes you think it has anything to do with somebody other than you? Well, that didn't go over well, um, and that marriage ended in a divorce. Sadly, and it's the, the story got even sadder from there. Um, but there were there were all these things that it ended up really it, it consumed her. That bitterness did. Um, one of the things that that had to happen ultimately was is that that she had to be told no. Because what, what happens and, and what frequently tried to happen at the parish level when I was pastoring was is that these people would come and they would self-identify as prophets, and then they would gather people to themselves and have this stuff to say. And what they really wanted was to lead the church. They wanted to take over. They, they wanted me to do anything that they said because, well, they were the oracle, and I was to do whatever they said. And, and so ultimately, those people kind of get pushed to the side because the agenda becomes very clear, and that's the reason they end up going from church to church. Now, this won't happen in in, in every church setting, but we were open to the gifts of the Spirit, and so it was, it was something that was possible with us. Um, at at Pauly's, there, there was a time when, when we would gather people and that was a separate kind of time. You didn't give prophetic words in services or anything like that. But there were some genuine people there who who I really believe did hear from the Lord. And and my friend that I told you about uh, who prayed every day and would give me names of people, and it was uncanny that he was that he was always on point. And frequently, the crazy thing was he would say, "Look, I don't know who these people are. You know, these these are just people whose names were on the parish roll, right? So he didn't know them." But, but he would see these things and, and hear these things and and then later in life he began to I mean, in his 80s literally he ate breakfast out every day and so he he called me one time and said I think the Lord's giving me a new ministry and I said, what's that And this is a very brilliant guy worked with John Lindsay in uh, New York in the 60s in, in building affordable housing and all kinds of stuff a really accomplished man um, I said what what is this new ministry and, and he said, well, He said, it's just started happening over the last few weeks. I'll see these strangers (laughs) at breakfast, and and God will tell me something, and I'm supposed to go tell that person. And this guy was the most inconspicuous man you'd ever meet in your life. He he, he never drew attention to himself, and and most people didn't know him. It happened that I knew him really well, and I knew how accomplished he was and all this kind of stuff, but he, but he, was, he was not a man that made a big splash. You, you could easily overlook him, but he was one of the most brilliant men I've ever known, as well as a guy with a heart for God more than anybody I've ever known. And so you see this guy who, who is like just, you know, he's a pretty quiet guy. But suddenly, in his eighties, he's going up to strangers in restaurants and telling them things about themselves. It's just fascinating to see somebody like that. And then there was another woman who, who I loved to death, who didn't go to the church, but I mean, she wasn't a member, but she came regularly to the Wednesday service, and and she had a prophetic ministry that that I honestly believe she loved the Lord with all her heart, and and it, it, she just she was one of my favorite people, and so she um, she would frequently give me. Words and uh, and, and, I, and I greatly appreciated that, and it was always encouragement. Um, the lady I spoke about before gave me a word one time. She was so angry with the church that before I was ordained, she said, "Here's what I, here's what the Lord's telling me you should do. You should not seek ordination in this whole Anglican thing. You should have a tent revival ministry." I mean, if you've heard me for any length of time, you you can imagine me having a tent revival ministry. Is something that was be so uh, completely 180 degrees from who I am and what I am. I, that, that feels like the nuttiest thing anybody could have ever told me. But, but then there was another guy that came to plant a church. And I met this guy. We were in a meeting. Um, it was a, this guy, Luis Palau, who's an evangelist. He had come up under Billy Graham, and, and he had um, not crusades, festivals. And so I was asked to be the um, intercessory prayer leader for that um, for the months leading up to it. And, and so there was this guy that came along. And, and the other day, when we were, I forgot about this guy the other day, when I was talking about people who pray using lots and lots and lots of words, this guy was that guy. And so we had meetings, and he would basically just try and take over. And, and what he was doing was trying, there, there was certain group of people who would be attracted to what he was doing. Uh, his name was David Stoffer. Uh, David Stauffer was his name, um, and, I, and I have no, I'm not, at all hesitant to use this guy's name. So he started this thing up in Myrtle Beach called the Good Old Gospel Hour or something like that. And several women from our church, older women particularly, from our church left and and went up and started following this guy. And when they did, they began to say a lot of critical things about the leadership at All Saints at our church, and uh, not about me, surprisingly, um, but about everybody else. And I called them on it because they were still come to church from time to time. One of them came in and wanted to talk to me about some things, and I said, well, we, what we've got to talk about first is what you're saying about the leadership of this church out into the community, and, and that's not okay. Well, in the midst of all this stuff, the guy, I didn't like him. I just had a bad feeling about him from the beginning. I don't know what it was. I just didn't want anything to do with him, and everybody wanted me to connect with him, and I just kept away and kept away. I don't have a prophetic gift. I have a, a gift of discernment, um, and so I— I just, and sometimes that's a very lonely thing because you're rejecting things that other people are are kind of chasing after. And so this guy uh, started this church, blah, blah, blah. Well, so about, I don't know, maybe nine months, something like that later, he's got, I don't know how many people are there. But then suddenly I had a couple of them make appointments and come to see me. And I said, yeah, sure. So they came and they said, first, we have to say that, that we're sorry. We were really, really wrong about him. But then we'd like to ask you if you could lean on your previous work experience and, and maybe help us out. And I said, what's going on? I said, well, he brought some guy in one day and said, this guy's an investment advisor. He has this wonderful investment. It's going to return multiple fold. We're all going to get rich. The church is going to do great, blah, blah, blah. And these women gave him money. I mean, lots of money in a couple of instances. I mean, Like probably the group that left All Saints, the, the total amount of money was 3 or $4 million. I mean, a lot of money. And so, um, and then he disappeared. And they had talked to the FBI, and the FBI had said, "We don't, you know, we don't think we're going to be able to get any of this money back for you because we don't know exactly where it is. We don't even know where he is." Um, and so they asked me if, if, as an investigator and all that, could I do anything? And I said, "Well, I mean, I could probably chase chase down what he did with it, but the chances of recovering any of it are are not very good." And I honestly don't have the resources necessary to do that. I don't have subpoena power. I don't have any of that stuff available to me that I could go chase it down. Um, I said, you know, if you'll, if you'll give me whatever you get from the FBI, I'll, I'll do what I can. But, uh, but you don't have the ability to go get his bank records, for instance. And so that's going to be a difficult problem. And, and so they never did actually get anything back. But that guy, in my mind, was a complete false prophet. And he had done this in other places. And if you had done just a little bit of research, you would have known that. We had another guy came who wanted to be a consultant or whatever to the movement when we started the Angle Commission in America. And, and he talked a great game. But, but I went back, I just wrote down all the stuff he was telling, and I went back and looked and saw, well, you know what, most of these websites that he's talking about haven't been updated in, in a couple of years. There's not, I can't tell what's actually going on at any of these things. Well, the other clergy looked at me and said, you know, t- remind me to be careful whenever I say anything to you. I said, you know, I'm, pr- I'm protecting the church here. <laughs> I don't want us to get pulled into a false prophet or, or into a scam artist. And I don't think the guy was a scam artist. He just talked a much bigger game than he actually could play. And, and that's, you know, it's not a crime to not play a big game. It's, it's not wrong. Just be honest about it. And so th- those are the kinds of things that, that we need to be careful about in the church with these false prophets who come in. And really what they want to do is they want to take over. And they want to be the superstar. They want to be whatever. And that's exactly what's going on here, what Jesus is talking about. And you can tell by the fruits of what they've done. Let me see what you've done. Like I said, that's the reason I did the research, was to see what actually this guy had done. He talked a huge game, planted like 10,000 churches in India and all this kind of stuff. Well, it looked like a ministry that had started about 18 months before that, and there was no record of it at all anywhere on its own website. And so it's just we, we can't just take people at their words. We need to be careful. About stuff, and that's the reason Jesus says, "Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, and yet inwardly are ravenous wolves." That it, it, you see, false prophets. One of the prime places to see that is in in 1 Kings twenty two. It's uh, with Ahab and the false prophets, and so Ahab is king of um, Israel, and then the king of Judah, the southern kingdom, is Jehoshaphat. And he and Ahab wants to go to war against Syria. He asked Jehoshaphat to do it, and he said, Okay, but first inquire for the word of the Lord. So the king of Israel gathered the prophets together about four hundred men and said to them, Shall I go to battle against Ramoth Gilead or shall I refrain? And they said, Go up, for the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. But Jehoshaphat, who apparently had some discernment, said, Isn't there another prophet of the Lord of whom may we may inquire? And the king of Israel said, to Jehoshaphat, there's one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, Micaiah, the son of Imla, but I hate him, for he never prophesies anything good concerning me but evil. Ahab and his wife Jezebel, remember, were two of the most wicked people to ever rule in Israel. So Jehoshaphat said, no, oh, don't let the king say that. So he summoned an officer and said, bring quickly Micaiah, the son of Imla. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, were sitting on their thrones arrayed in their robes at the threshing floor at the entrance of the Samaria. And all the prophets were prophesying before them, and Zedekiah, the son of Chaniah, made for himself horns of iron, and said, I mean, so he's, this guy's holding these horns up in front of his head like, like he's a bull. Thus says the Lord, with these you shall push the Syrians until they're destroyed. And all the prophets prophesied and said, go to Ramoth-Gilead and triumph. The Lord will give it into the hand of the king. And then Micaiah comes, and they, they ask him to speak. He said, as the Lord lives, what the Lord says to me, I'll speak. And so they asked him and said, should we go up or refrain? He said, go up in triumph. The Lord will give it into the hand of the king. (laughs) But, But Ahab said, how many times shall I make you swear that you speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? And he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let each return to his home in peace. In other words, you're going to get slaughtered. And the king of Israel said, did I not tell you he would not prophesy good concerning me but evil? And then Micaiah goes on and further prophesies, and he says, and it's interesting because Micaiah said, therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord. So he's seeing into heaven. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing beside him on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, who will entice Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one said one thing and one said another. So the Lord's asking for counsel from the heavenly host. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord saying, I'll entice him. And the Lord said, by what means? And he said, I'll go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of his prophets. And he said, you're to entice him and you shall succeed. Go out and do so. Now, therefore, the Lord put a lying spirit in the mouth of these prophets. The Lord has declared disaster for you. So, And, and then one of those came up and struck him on the cheek. And how did the spirit of the Lord go from me to you? And this, this ends up being this huge argument in here. And, and what they wanted, what, what these guys always wanted, was to be important to the king. Right, So that, that became the issue. Is That's all they wanted was to be important to the king. But what was the fruit of their prophecy? Did the prophecy come true? And that's the bottom line. And it's the same with Jesus. So he's accused of being a false prophet on multiple occasions. Well, you said this, and it didn't happen. And even today, people question parts of the gospel of, of Matthew because Jesus spoke in advance of the fall of the temple, and they said, well, this didn't actually happen because they don't believe in prophecy. Well, you have to kick out a a lot of the Old Testament if you're going to do that. There are honest, true prophets out there, there's no question, and they're still there today. And and we need to to be able to pay attention to them, but we need to also have discernment. And we need to be aware of false prophets, because those are out there, and they're doing it for their own self-aggrandizement, or to be important to somebody. And there's a lot of them. There's more of those than there are true prophets, to be perfectly honest with you. And so just be careful when somebody comes up and wants to speak into your life and say things to you about what you ought to be doing and all that. Be very, very careful about the people you allow to speak into your life in any way like that. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.